This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. New from Venom Prison, Samsara. The album Kerrang! gives a perfect 5Ks and hails as a furious, raging album, musical attrition that attack with nuclear force and wind tunnel velocity. And Metal Hammer praises Venom Prison embark on one of the most twisted and disturbing death metal journeys in recent memory. Zero Tolerance goes there calling Samsara a masterpiece of righteous violence. Venom Prism Samsara featuring the track Uterine Industrialization is available everywhere March 15th, guys. Make sure you check out the music video. Once again, Venom Prism's Samsara out everywhere March 15th. I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by Rockabilia. Need to stock up on some of your favorite band's merch? Go to rockabilia.com and put some on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 10% off with the code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% today. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petter Speich, and I am always joined by... Hey, buckaroo. Hmm. It's Brandon Gooch Hahn. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. And Jocelyn Sharp, we want to give her a very, very happy birthday. Happy birthday. Jocelyn's not here. She's celebrating, and she is doing comedy, as we know. She's a road warrior, so... But happy birthday, Jaws. Everybody out there, make sure you send her a happy birthday wish at Jocelyn Sharp, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't write happy birthday on your dick. Totally unacceptable. Dude, that you said that now. Someone will. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> silence with that. Anyways, this week, guys, I got to interview oh, one of my favorite bands. I talk about them all the time. I never say their r- name right, and I don't think I say their name right in the interview, but it's a Legion. I said it wrong again. A Legion? A Legion. A Legion. A Legion. Greg Burgess and Riley McShane both talk to me it's a party line it's really great and we get to talk about their new record apoptosis which is out april 19th fucking love the record make sure you guys pre-order it and hang in there for the interview and last week guys as as you know we we did a list show we did what were the three greatest eps of all time according to us and we got a lot of feedback back about saying we we're dumb and stupid but the majority agreed with our number one pick which was allison chains jar of flies everybody was like yeah that is the greatest ep of all time now two or three are debatable but Jar of Flies, there's no argument. I got a list. I got a list here of what people said. You know that I think is credible. There were some that I'm like, stop it. Okay. And the majority of the stuff I got were punk rock releases. Now we were real adamant on saying hard rock and metal releases that were EPs. So punk is a whole different genre when it comes to that stuff. And we weren't talking about that. We're just talking about hard rock and metal. So I'm going to ignore the punk rock stuff. Okay. Even though I know a lot of those are legit. The one that uh, I did think that a, a lot of people, one person put nine inch nails broken. Oh yeah. That it's is good. good. Oh dude. Yeah. That, you would, you would amend the list now. I want to amend the list. You would put I'm that putting that number two. Wow. Okay. Dude, I'm okay. Tell, dude, I'm tell, uh, Wish is like an excellent. That's probably like one of my all-time favorites. Nine Inch Nails Broken is a fantastic EP. Yeah. Yes. Wish yes. is probably their best song, in my opinion. Metallica's Beyond Magnetic. Um, Great EP, but leftovers, right? Yeah. And that's that, that was one of the things we said that. This next one I don't think is a EP, but Melvin's Lysol, their self-titled one. Was that an EP? I haven't even heard it. Oh, okay. It was a one song. It was like 35 minutes long. It's a, one of their best records in 91, but I always figured that wasn't an ep and uh i looked it up and i saw ep on some level and other places saying it wasn't so that one i do love but i still wouldn't amend my list guns and roses lies that's garbage but that's what someone said <laughs> it's a garbage garbage record. i didn't like lies Come dude. On. Garbage, Pete, you gotta have patience yeah that one good song so that one no i completely disagree queen's self-titled ep good but uh-huh. Wouldn't amend my list. And then this one, this was a, a battle before we did our list, and that's the Merciful Fate EP. Yeah, that one is really amazing. And then someone else did the Sherman Denner one they put out a couple years ago, and I think that one was phenomenal too. However, we stand by our list of last week, guys. So if you guys are curious what that is, 
Go check out the show. Allison Chains is number one. I'm going to tell you, all week long, I've been listening to Jar of Flies, and Dude, I still love it. It's, I, it's, it's still amazing. It's the best EP ever ever released. We stand by that. So, uh, And most people agreed. I'll tell we'll you that fight right you. now. We'll f- no, we won't. Sorry. We're not going to fight you. We're not going to fight you. We're not going to fight anybody. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So this week in the Metal Sucks news, now that we got that out of the way, listener participation is awesome. Thank you, guys. Chris Fenn is out of Slipknot. Now... He probably put his nose where it didn't belong. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I like it. That was good. Now, here's the thing. When you're in a band, and even though you're not the very most important member of that band musically, let's just say, because obviously what he does, the third drummer hits the kegs, does some background singing, screaming, not a necessary thing can be easily replaced. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he could be replaced easily, but the point is, the point is, is that he's still touring. He's still doing all that ugly, hard stuff with the band and has been for 20 years. So he deserves a fair, fair share for sure. Since he's been in the band for 20 years. However, how much does he have to be shortcut to rock the boat and lose that job? Because it seems like there's a risk versus return thing and his situation, like he doesn't have a strong ground. Like I always say this to people, I'm like, you got to know your role in life. You know, you got to know your role. Like what's your role here, you know, Um, and make sure you don't mess with the people's roles that are harder, that are going to be you know, more better part of the bedrock of the band. I'm talking about in life. We can talk about in music, but that like are part of exactly the guys that did all this stuff. So, Part of me is on that final, like, like Chris, you, you know, you got to know your role here, but how, then, then we have to know how much of him has been shorted as well, you know? So Look, what, I what are your thoughts on this guy? Like, cause leaving Slipknot's like walking away from Metallica almost maybe not as big, but 25 years from now, well, when you're like, close, when right? you're like uh, one of 15 members, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I guarantee you that pay isn't getting split up like it is in Metallica four ways. You know, it's not even getting split up four ways. Well, we don't know all that stuff, but you're right. You know, it's, it, there's more members, so there's less pay. I yes. get that, but Slipknot is a... Slipknot's a huge band. There's no doubt about it. When mm-hmm. you're the third drummer in a band, you are the guy who dances with Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I mean, that's what... You, it's like, that's all you are, you know what I mean? You're the guy who gets paid to skank. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to downplay the... I'm not trying to downplay the band because part of Slipknot's allure is the fact that you got these, you know, nine to however many guys that are on at a time just like, just going absolutely berserk. That's part of the allure. But and, and he and he is in that. But yeah. you're right. He, the the primary part of his role, it's expendable. Is that that's what I'm guessing? That, yes. It's very expendable. He's got to be aware of that, though. Well, I mean, like for example, if you're in a symphony and one flute player is like, ah, I got the runs, I can't make it. It's mm-hmm. like they're not going to stop the whole symphony. They're like, all right, we're down one flute player. It's not going to make that big of a difference, you know. And so do you think that because of that, like other guys that do matter more would have taken advantage of that situation, uh, which isn't proven. I'm just saying, do you think that guys are like, you know, what? we can we can lessen this guy's paycheck because he's lucky to be here? I don't think they should. Here's the thing. It all depends. I mean, it's like I understand his point because, yeah, you're right. He did put in all the work he did. He did. He did put all the, the touring, in, all, all that the touring, stuff. That I, I understand that, that takes its toll. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. But what were you really contributing to the overall scheme of the band? What were you contributing when it came to the writing? Were you actually even going into the studio and, and recording your keg parts? He probably was. I mean, you can't say he was. We're just going to assume he was in all those things. But as far as writing songs and you know, everything else. That's what I'm getting at. We're going we're gonna to go with like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, you were probably it, told what to do. If you're the flute player and the, and the maestro's like, okay, do this part. If he's like, no, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. That, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like, and on top of that too, I mean, I'm sure there was probably a part of him that just wanted to, I mean, if I were him, I mean, there's no way I could do something like that because you're not, you're not, you're not expressing your creativity, you know, and anybody who picks up any instrument whatsoever, it's like, they kind of want to put their own spin on things. But 20 years in, you think that he was just friends with the dudes and they kind of like, we need you to do this part. Like, don't you think if he had like an expressiveness or an, a, a really talent at, at a musician that he would be more integral in the band? I mean, Joey Jordison left. They didn't replace him as the drummer, you know, because he probably wasn't on the well, same level. Yeah, but Joey Jordison was one of the original, original members of the band. No, I know that. But what I'm trying to say is he didn't replace him, meaning they found somebody else with the talent level. 
Right. Like even Clown, who could have replaced Joey Jerusalem. They didn't do that. Well, they had everybody have their parts. I mean, again, every the whole thing with Slipknot is everybody's got to be, you know, with all the risers and, and the, you know, I mean, if you've ever seen a Slipknot show, it is insane. I mean, but it's like everybody's got their place that they have to be on stage. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if it's one less guy, and I'm sure they're just going to find some kid out of college or something like that. I don't think like, they'll replace him. I think it'll just be eight now. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me personally. Like they, they're like, you know, it's one less, it'll, it'll be one less cut. He's the one that attacked us. So he, they, they have the rhyme and reason to be like, look, he's not working anymore. And on top anymore. of that, dude, I'm like, sure Corey could grab a drumstick and go to, and go bang on kegs and still get that same energy from the audience. You know what I'm saying? Like while he's singing, I mean, it's like we've seen it happen in Godsmack. We've seen it happen where they do the whole drum circle. No, thing, I, I know you what know? you're saying, but like, eh, I, that does, I don't think it matters at all. No, <laughs> like, no, it doesn't. Say. That's what and people at. are saying. That so, there's the risk versus return. If you were in his situation and you felt that you were being shorted, what would you do? I would have went to I would have went to to Clown and Corey and been like, "What's going on?" And at least I, I would have at least asked for an explanation as to what's happening. And then, and then, but at this time too, you got to understand if he feels like he was shorted and on top of that for a lawyer to go, yeah, I'll take this case. Mm -hmm. There must be some kind of proof there where he's getting shorted. Or a lawyer just wants to make money off. Of Absolutely. But, <laughs> so, I mean, but, but what I'm saying yeah. is you're, you're right about if the lawyer wants to make money off of, but a lot of the times it's like if a lawyer's not going to get paid, because sometimes they only get paid if they win the case. So if he goes to a lawyer and he's like, look, I have a good That's case here. That's not going to be this, dude. I know that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's like if somebody's telling him that somebody's wronging you and you firmly believe it 100%, and on top of that, you're touring with this band for 20 years, you're probably already wore out. You're probably looking for a reason to leave anyway. Maybe. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, well, there's I'm just a lot of rumors. At, yeah. There's a lot of like speculation and rumors and that's all we're doing. But the point is, is that I don't think a level headed person would have taken this to the media. I don't think a level headed person would have been like, let me blast my band members for 20 years out loud without expecting a, an immediate and, and, you know, immediate response. Even though to me, a lot of ways, like if, if you're going to do that and you're going to, shit all over the band in some way in 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 the media is which is what happened i feel like you're not seeing things clearly but you also have to think that you're in a position of power somewhat well dude it's just in what position of power could he have ever possibly been in well it's just like when a superstar athlete does the same thing to his team we've seen this happen before mm-hmm. you know like look at odell beckham jr he just signed a huge contract and they, he was he was bitching and they said get the fuck out they traded him into cleveland you yeah know? we're proud we're yeah, like I'm we're, so we're, we're browns fans I'm if you guys so don't know happy. yeah everything's good with us <laughs> thanks for bitching odell <laughs> now don't fuck up our team Please God. don't fuck up our goddamn team uh, we believe in baker Mayfield. I, I ride with baker <laughs> <laughs> next story i want to touch on real fast guys before we get to our interview with greg and riley of Allegion. I say it wrong again? Probably. Nah, fucking A. I'm there's, sorry, guys. There's vowels in weird places. I know. It's me. It's me. I just, I can't say A-E-O together. I can't do it. Anyways, Les Claypool stated that Primus will be opening for Slayer on their final tour. I always tell people some of the meanest pits I've been in are Primus shows. And this is the truth. Yes. I've seen them open. I've seen System of a Down open for Primus back in the day. Me and you went together. That was 1999 and it was crazy. And System of a Down opened and the pit was whatever. But when Primus came on, I mean, we lost shoes and shirts. It was insanity. Well, so because this is what Primus does. Their, their band, their, their, their fans, it's like, I don't see pushing. What I see is them jumping straight up in the air and mm-hmm. then everybody losing balance and then everybody just Falling topples over yeah. into like a domino. It's insane. And if they cater their set list to a Slayer crowd, because right now they're they're a lot more of the, I don't want to say progressive, they're just such an original amazing band, but they're a lot more of the uh, jam band, jammy, hippie type of band yeah. type of thing. So if they cater their set and they pull out some of those bouncers, as I call them, some of those like jump around bouncy like moments, they're perfect for Slayer, dude. As oh, a matter yeah. of fact, that show is amazing. I love hearing things like that. So that will be a, a real interesting thing. And plus, it's a good mix, too. Like, Slayer has now, fans that are dicks. Do you think any Slayer fan would be a dick to Primus? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I can't even believe you would even ask that question. Yes. I don't care who's opening up for him. It could be Kerry King's other band, and they're going to be like, fucking Slayer. Well, Lamb of God was fine. Gojira was oh, fine. Yeah, There's bands right, that are yeah. fine. Hatebreed was fine. I've seen all those bands do fine, but then I've seen, like, you know, other bands, Static X open for him, yeah, and there's you know, middle uh, fingers with back turns. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm over here pulling on my collar, like, ooh, hoo, hoo. <laughs> 
But Primus, I think they'll be fine. Maybe not. We'll see how fans are. But dude, I think they'll be fine. Maybe not. You are the most wishy-washy dude on this topic. <laughs> I talked about it last week, man. I saw a clutch open for like Godsmack once. I saw a clutch open for System of a Down and blew the, Godsmack the, off the stage. And the fans were such dicks what? to him. Oh yeah, this is back in the night. I, told, I talked about it last week. I was like, I couldn't believe like people were booing them during. If System you boo of a Clutch, Down. I boo you and your whole family. That's what I. That's that's true. Yeah, family deserves a boo. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to point your point my finger right at your mom and then a big old b o o o o o o exclamation point. <laughs> all right so i got a little heated i'm sorry a little heated there for sure (laughs) all right guys this month white chapel released their new album the valley via metal blade records anyone throwing the valley on for the first time will immediately recognize it as the work of white chapel yet as has been the case with each release there is evolution in play. Catch the band on tour with Dying Fetus, Revocation, Fallujah, and many more this spring. And make sure and purchase your copy of The Valley now at MetalBlade.com slash Whitechapel. Once again, MetalBlade.com slash Whitechapel. All right, guys. So now it's time for my interview with Greg and Riley of Allegion. Everybody, what is going on? Hey, it's Petter and the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, we have a party line here today. I've got Greg and Riley from Allegion. We're here to talk about the new record, Apoptosis, <laughs> which is coming out April 19th, guys. Now, Greg, proponent of Sentinence, was a concept record and considered a career best for you guys. What did that cycle do for your preparing for this record? Besides wear us out. <laughs> I don't know. Wear us out and stress us out for the writing of this one. Um, I don't know. Like, we were just on the road so much. I, we, it was just kind of, you know, I think a, a, now that now that I've had time to digest the new record a little bit, I think it may have, uh, talking to Michael, it may have just got him in a mode that was such that, he wasn't going to cut something out just because he didn't think it was a Legion like. Mm-hmm. So maybe that had to do with, with time constraints of like, we just had to get a record done or what have you. And which is to the betterment of the record, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it might be, you know, we could say that I'm going to say that. Can we say that? I accept that. Riley, okay. how do you feel? Uh, hey, I, you know, <laughs> I think that works. <laughs> <laughs> All these answers, they need to be more black and white, guys. No gray area, okay? I need, I need, yeah. I need firm <laughs> truths here. <laughs> so, now, Riley, let me ask you this. You guys did add a new bassist uh, for the record named Brandon Michael. After the departure of longtime bassist Corey Archuleta, did that change the dynamic at all at, on apoptosis? Mm. Definitely. I mean, Corey is a good bass player, you know what I mean? But Brandon, or as we call him, Boo Boo, it's like really weird for me to call him Brandon at this yeah. point in time so boo boo money uh boo boo he's a good he's he's like an unreal bass player he's just like has all this experience doing jazz and and uh you know like soul and funk and all this kind of stuff that like really contributes to the uh the overall vibe um of apoptosis like i don't know we start the album with the bass solo we uh we, we really want to show off the chops that he brought and like the real like huge dynamic changes that he that he really added to the band and i think that even in the first two songs that we've released you know so far the, that's like really present um it didn't really change the writing dynamic very much because we all kind of write on our own time since we live all over the place but uh it definitely changed the dynamic of the music now greg do you want to add on that at all I mean, he, he's amazing. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what can I add to that? Yeah, it's super weird because we, we, we already have a Brandon and we already have a Michael. So that was like, I, if he's going to join the band, we have to call him something else. <laughs> and we don't want to call him Big BM because that's kind of mean. <laughs> so yeah, boo-boo money. And yeah, it's, it's super weird to call him Brandon because we already have a Brandon. <laughs> I'm only going to reference him as boo-boo money going forward, but I want to know because uh, um, boo-boo to me is Yogi Bear's friend, right? And then right. money to me is Floyd Mayweather. So what I'm seeing, I'm from Vegas, guys. <laughs> we, we, got the, we got the billboards everywhere. <laughs> it's just money Mayweather, right? So I see a version of a great sidekick 
and a, a villain that can't be stopped. So that's a pretty good nickname for him. But how did you guys name him that? It honestly was just like the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> just like, you know, what, what can we call this guy? We can't call him Big BM because that's mean. And we have a Brandon and we have a Michael. I guess let's just call him Boo Boo Bunny. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, well, but, there's also Boo Boo Muffin. We call him that time sometimes, you know, when he's being when he's being extra cute. <laughs> Boo Boo Muffin, but mostly mostly Boo Boo Money. Now, are the people when you nickname them, are they do they have to like the nickname or is that ruin the nickname? <laughs> no, no, they don't have to like it. They just have to live with it. Yeah. You know? But it's like it's that. it's amazing how well it sticks. You know, like even without the fan base, <laughs> throughout the fan base, everybody knows him as Boo Boo. It's yep. great. I want to make him a shirt next time you guys come to Vegas with Boo Boo, like split down the middle, Boo Boo and Mayweather, and just give it to him and see if he can put it together. I just want to yeah. see if like, he look at that and be like, hmm, there's a puzzle there. Or, or be like, why would you give like, this? Just yeah. like juxtapose the two. So it's like, you know, like, like Boo Boo Bear just with like boxing gloves on. Well, yeah, I like this. I like this. I, I want to riddle. I want to riddle the new guy. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did look up the name of the new record, guys. I know what it means, just so you know. It, it, it means the death of cells in, the, in any living organism as we grow. So as we're talking right now, apoptosis is happening to me right yes. now. Now, but how does this represent a legion and in the metaphorical way and the literal sense? A legion's always been like a very science-themed band so it, it you know explains the whole idea it represents basically the whole idea of you know death leading to like new and better life not just new life but like better and improved and so in the scientific term you know you have stellar tidal disruption you know which is all about stars being ripped apart inside of a black hole and then theoretically spat out on the other side of that black hole as like basically stardust or like the creation, like the creation of new nebulae formations, you know. And in extremophiles, it's a little bit more representative of uh, how certain extremophiles, which are basically just microorganisms that can survive under like extreme duress, you know, will go into like hibernation and then kind of come back once their accommodations are, you know, livable. So it's you know a little bit about adaptation as well, but it also touches down on a few you know, social ideas and, and religious ideas uh, in some of the other songs, just about kind of leaving hot behind older, you know, more toxic ideologies and moving forward into a little bit more progressive state of mind. But what I really named the album for was just our growth as a band. Like we've been through so many members and, you know, even since way before my time, but Allegiant has always been, the type of band where it's like, if we replace someone, you know, we're going to try to replace them, move on to bigger and better things. You know what I mean? Like onward and upward. And uh, I think the apoptosis at this point in our time is really relevant because we've had to sacrifice a lot, you know, to get to the point we're at, whether it's members or, you know, people on our back end or, you know, even, even certain fans who like are attached to certain members when they leave kind of thing. Like it's, it always comes with sacrifice, but in the end, the change is always, for the better and i feel that right now allegiant has kind of progressed to like the best version that they've ever been dude i asked for a black and white answer and i mean boom right that, there's no gray area to what I, riley yeah, just said when i when i when i listen to the podcast i want to hear a standing ovation but right there i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna find one like that borat got in the movie and just time it right in there for you guys <laughs> greg let me direct this question because this kind of ties in i think to uh to that greg you are the elder statesman in the band but line, uh-huh. lineup changes the most important thing i think is band morale like when the lineups have changed throughout the years, it, was there ever a time that it affected band morale? Or was it always for a positive in the group? I, I mean, yes, there was times where it affected the group negatively. I, I when when Ryan left, uh, I remember <laughs> we, we we have this uh, <laughs> we have this joke in a legion that like when when a member quits or gets fired it's always at an Applebee's and uh, this this is where it started we were at an Applebee's <laughs> and Ryan Ryan uh, was leaving us he was he just like uh, he had just had enough of of eating the shit and you know he had this cool 
uh, new band uh, that was going to be, you know, with Pyrithian that they were potentially going to make a lot of money. So uh, he had, you know, he left us at that point. And I, I remember sitting at the table and I was stoked because as, as much as, you know, I like Ryan and I respect the hell out of him. It was always kind of a battle of creativity between him and I. So I was just like, oh, hell yeah, I get to do what I want now. Or I think uh, our, you know, our, our old vocalist Ezra and our old bass player Corey were sitting at the table and they were kind of like, well, we're kind of done. And I was like, oh, no, fuck that. <laughs> this is going to be great. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was negative. And I mean, even through the writing process, they, those guys, I don't think those guys were totally sold on elements until I sat them down and go, here's the record. It's going to be rad. And they were just like, you know, by the end of that, they, their, their attitudes have changed, but they were kind of like pretty negative. Uh, I mean, I mean, I least remember Ezra was, but that was the only lineup change that I think that was negative. Everything else is, you know, has kind of been positive, you know, like I knew I had in mind what we were going to do beforehand, with the exception of, of getting Boo Boo. But Boo Boo has been a friend and kind of been in the running to take over Corey's spot for years because there was a time where Corey just wasn't going to tour with us. And we were already in talks with Boo Boo at that point. Uh, so, yeah. And Boo Boo likes chilies. He don't go to Applebee's. So you guys are in yeah. good, good perspective <laughs> there, right there. Yeah, there we go. He's more of a, he's more of a sizzler kind of guy. Oh, I don't have sizzler anymore, man. Yeah, so that, that my uh, heart just broke, dude. It was, that was like my youth. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest, rest in, in peace. peace, sizzler. I can't see Dino the- Dino Nuggets all the way. The guys, you play them back 1.618, and they're like, it's okay, Ryan's gone. Like, that sucks. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's just like, come on, man, Elements is so good, right? So Yeah, well, I mean, everybody was stoked about it after the fact. After the you know? fact, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's like also that was the, you know, that one of those demos were shown, that was before we had Park, and that was before we had Stancil. So, mm. you know, it was still kind of like a low point. But when you know the record's good, you know it's good. So Now, Riley, let me ask you this. The- thematically, science and philosophy seem to be a major inspiration uh, when it comes to a lot of the songwriting now. But your humor, dude, you're hilarious. So what topic or hobby are you into that you wish you can write songs about, but it's way too left field? Oh, dude, totally anime, 100%. (laughs) If he didn't say anime, I was going to be like, oh, wait, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, uh, I actually wrote a song about an anime when I, like, first joined the band. And then, like, during recording, I, like, realized how totally off base it was and was just like, all right, I'm going to change this around to, like, be about robots and shit to, like, fit the concept of Proponent for Sentience. But I, uh, yeah, definitely. If I could just, like, write songs about, like, trash i totally would but you know yeah. <laughs> you know life life is just a monument to compromise so i you know it's it's you know i'll take what i can get oh man life is nothing but a monument to compromise that's another standing ovation moment <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it in both guys. I'm telling you, you're gonna hear this as a podcast, <laughs> and people are gonna be like, "Why is Pete being a dick to Riley?" And I'm like, "Dude, we discussed this. <laughs> like, we discussed this. <laughs> so yeah, so if you get anything for the publicists, there's like, hey, hey, no, no, we're good. <laughs> He's not. Gonna, so uh, I'll I'll totally be like that guy was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally cool with Greg, but dude, he was a dick to me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what song was it on Proponent that you wrote that was anime? And you're like, I gotta change this to robots. Uh, the, the Arbiters. arbiters. Mm. Yeah, mm. it was it was the Arbiters. I wrote it about the uh, the anime series Death Parade, in which there are like characters that are called Arbiters, and it's all about like their job of basically like people who die in questionable situations like with their moral compass not quite pointed in one direction or the other go to this like purgatory kind of area and are like tested with these like these these like games and riddles and then depending on how they like which route they go in this like purgatory area they're judged by these arbiters and the arbiters send them either to reincarnation or the void which is what the song was originally called was reincarnation in the void and i just changed it to the arbiters and made it about like you know robot judges that basically 
decide that humanity needs to go. And then it's right before, you know, proponent part three, which is like from the machine mind perspective being like, yeah, human race got to go. So it, it ended up fit, tying into the concept quite nicely, but it was originally for sure written about death parade, which has one of the sickest opening songs. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, I go, that fits absolutely perfectly. It reminds me like what you were talking. I was like, well, it sounds like the movie cube, you know, it was like, it fits absolutely perfect, but you, you change it up. Just, just little lyrics then. Right. Cause the concept is, is yeah. spot on. Yeah. So Greg, Last time I, I chatted with you, I, uh, I geek, me and you, we geeked out over John Bush and the possibilities yeah. of you doing an Armored Saint cover. But I see that there is a Bach cover on the new record. <laughs> I know I, I said that with such like, it sounded like at this point, but it's not. I'm just saying, I was like, oh, I, I, I thought I maybe had this. But tell me about the song you, you covered on the new album. And then, then let me know if there almost was an Armored Saint tune that almost got covered. Well, do you want to let's let's deal with the armored saint thing first? Okay. <laughs> um, well, we I I don't think everybody in the band was sold on that. I mean, I think me and Part were super gung ho, and then other people were were just kind of not. When you do a cover, I guess everybody has to be, you know, give their blessing, so to speak. And and that doesn't say anything negative about armored saint. I think they it was just like I think we can do something else a little better. Was just where. It was. As for the Bach, I've wanted to do that piece for like 15. No, it's got to be over 20 years. I've wanted to. I love that piece of music. And I just always wanted to make a metal version of it. And uh, I had like mad writer's block. And I had one song left to contribute (laughs) to the record. Uh, So I was like, well, I could sit here and like, you know, just go insane, beat my head against the wall because I couldn't come up with anything, or I could do this and be proactive about writing and getting stuff done. So that's what I did, and then we ended up chopping a song into two parts. So uh, I was actually way over quota. It turned out well. I had two songs that that didn't that won't make the CD but made the vinyl. So cool. o- over quota, which is is always a good thing, right? I I definitely think yeah. so. But Riley, what's wrong with Armored Saint? <laughs> I didn't so, even name him by name. So here's, <laughs> you knew. Here's, here's what I said when Greg was like, "Hey, I've got this idea. Let's cover an Armored Saint song." But here's the here's here's you know here's the 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 thing. We're gonna get the vocalist for Armored Saints to do vocals on the cover, like like a back and forth kind of thing. And I was like, "Why in God's name would you get?" the original vocalist to re-record a song that he recorded like 30 fucking years ago, it's going to sound like dog shit. Like it's going to sound not as good as the original. And like, that just sounds like a bad idea. Like it's like, it's, you know, let's cover like a, like any other band and get him to do, you know, like a guest vocal thing. But why would you get him to re-record his own music 20, 30 years after he recorded it? It just seemed like a bonkers idea to me. So I shot it down with I'm fucking just really, duck hunt I'm, I find it super funny that you asked him why he didn't like it and why he <laughs> was the one who shot it down when I specifically went out of my way not to throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see both sides of the equation. Let me just say that. I'm going to be the uh, the marriage counselor here. I see your version, Riley. <laughs> but then you have I, to I, answer this question. How else is Greg going to work with John Bush? Why are you trying they to kill him dreams? Little, you know... You know what you should do, Greg? You should arrange an Armored Saint song in classical guitar and then have him do vocals over it, and then that'll make sense. It'll work for everyone. I also just don't want to sing Armored Saint. Like, nothing against Josh. <laughs> He's a great singer, but, like, it's just so not my cup of tea. If Brandon and Brandon and Greg really like high, shrieky, falsetto, butt metal kind of stuff, and I just fucking cannot stand it. He tried to send me a Skid Row song, too. He's like, oh, let's cover this Skid Row song, and I was, like, over my rotting corpse would, would I sing this song. Like, <laughs> just but, just to no. clarify, Armored Saint's not one of the high screechy I'm going to say that as well. Uh, yeah. But the Skid Row uh, okay. song, was it Quicksand Jesus? 
that he said. No, what was it, Greg? It was it was from the same record. It was uh, in a darkened room. Okay. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you would nail Quicksand Jesus. That's all. But yeah, dude. No, uh, he would. You would. He would. It, Riley can sing anything, whether it's just in his wheelhouse and he wants to admit it or not. Look, look. These are like backhand compliments. I'm telling him he's <laughs> stupid, but he's amazing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that <laughs> I love it, Riley. Let me ask you this, because vocally, I think, and if I'm wrong, you guys just tell me to shut up. It's totally fine. I think you sound heavier than ever on this record than previous recordings. Did did you approach the songs differently? You know, when I'm writing for for songs, or I mean, for, it, it doesn't matter what really which band, um, whether it's Continuum or Legion or or you know even how I approach like the Inanimate Existence stuff. But it was just like. I try to cater it to the music. And when I started getting songs sent in from Greg and Mikey, I was just like, Oh dude, these are like heavy as balls. Like these are, you know, know, these need like pissed off, heavy, low, aggressive vocals on them, you know? And then obviously there's parts, you know, like in extreme files B where there's like room for little, little clean snippets here and there. And, you know, I, I, I just try to write to cater to the part. And I feel like the music, provided a foundation on this record where it lent itself to way heavier way heavier vocals yeah there's some you know, like, even like, like grind vocals on here that you you pull out yeah there's like, <laughs> like, like 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 pig squealy parts yeah, right so i was gonna say like, a little cattle decapitation sounding like a it's like bit, you yeah. like you, you listen to that like that that riff that it, that it's over right like so mm-hmm. extra files b for example it's like strumming right it's like and then it just like drops down into this like it's just like what else do you do there you go from you know low to lower like just like music so extremophiles a and b that was originally one song because i know it's like track two and then it's it's later in the records b i'm b and then a no no those those were written separately for sure the one that was one song what it was Parthenogenesis and interphase meiosis. That those two songs were one. They were written as one song, and then we just chopped them up. Now, Greg, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. You brought in a classically trained guitarist to duet with you on uh, "Colors of the Current," and uh, she's named Christina Sansigen. Hopefully, I said that right. I believe you did. Oh, yes. sweet! Now, tell me about that experience, <laughs> and for guys that aren't understanding what classically trained guitar means, how that coincides with you. Well, I mean, she's—I mean, she is a classically trained guitar, but she is just a classical guitar player, full stop. I mean, I think she's in tour in Turkey right now for some like, <laughs> out of just randomness. Well, for me, I kind of gave up on that whole career path when I joined Allegiant, like back in two thousand and seven. You know, it's like I was—I was on track to get my master's, and uh, my ultimate goal—I was going to get my doctorate in classical guitar performance. And other classical guitar players uh, hit me up. And then are just fans of, you know, the band and my classical guitar pieces. It's kind of like the coolest feeling ever, you know, because it, it was it seems like a lifetime ago for me. Like I gave up on that life and I, you know, <sighs> decided to live in a band, uh, uh, live in a van. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Choices. Life choices. Life choices, everyone. Pick pick better. Oh. Uh, so yeah, we've had it's it's been a really interesting um, couple years for me in uh, just from other classical guitar players and I mean my friend Doctor Corey Flowers like played like a whole bunch of my pieces on his doctoral recital and like my name's right next to Bach and it's you know it's it's like quite humbling and you know mind blowing you know at the same time uh, and then when Christina hit me up and she was just you know, all about it. It was, you know, it was like super cool uh, for me just because, you know, classical guitar players are, you know, it's, it's just a different realm. You know what I mean? And it's, I think there's very, you know, it's not very common that there's a lot of us crossing over. So, uh, and then I, we hung out, we were on that Neo Blue tour and I think we were in Austin maybe where like we hung out and she gave me one of her CDs and yeah. uh, I listened to it and she was, she was awesome. Uh, super musical. So then I just asked if she'd be interested in doing pl- doing a duet with me. So that's really how that happened. And you just talked about touring, guys. Let's talk about touring. This last album cycle, it seemed nonstop for you guys. 
it felt nonstop. Yeah, I was in Vegas. I saw you guys twice on the cycle, um, and um, a lot of the the new record was written on the road, as we were mentioning. So let's start with Riley on this one. Has the schedule been tough, or is this how you like it? Uh, I mean, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's it's always nice to have a deadline because it just like pushes you to get your shit together, and and you know the musician's curse is like if you just have an endless amount of time like you'll write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and like never settle on like a final final version at least you know me and several other musicians that i've spoken to about this same kind of issue but having a deadline kind of is just like look this is what you need to have this is how much you need to have done and like you just need to settle with these versions of songs so it's nice having like pressure you know whether it's in the form of a deadline or in the form of being like oh well we've got another tour coming up and we i still have all these songs to write and all this kind of stuff but at the same time it's like tour is already a taxing thing you know what i mean like it's it's exhausting being on the road and away from home and you know uh, living outside of of your comfort bubble and so that can sometimes like fuel your creative juices but other times it's just like dude i am like so exhausted i don't want to sit down and write lyrics right now like you know, so it uh, it was it was a little bit of both. It, it provided the the necessary pressure I feel to to hit our deadlines and and you know be proactive about writing. But at the same time, there were definitely moments where I was like, "Wow, fuck all of this." Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the same the same question to you, but I'm also gonna ask: Does it feel like two separate lives, home life and touring life? Uh, I mean, they kind of really blend together. Mm. Um, you know, when I'm home, I, I don't know if Riley will agree with this, but when I'm home, I'm home. And I, I kind of don't like, I don't go out much anymore because I feel like I'm never home. And then when I am home, I just kind of want to like make as much money, teach as many students as I can, talk to my girlfriend, play guitar, play video games, hang out with my roommate, pet his cat. You know, I don't, I don't have much of a social life. Uh, anymore because <laughs> the road just gets too it i don't know uh, it, it's it's kind of it is taxing exactly what he said it definitely doesn't feel like two separate lives it feels kind of very much one conglomerate that affects the other one very very much so what does the band i mean besides play on stage obviously when you guys are touring and living together what do you guys do most together as a group Oh man, uh, it's it's got to be eat. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be eat. It's got to be we just like sit around and eat and just shoot the shit and make each other laugh and keep spirits high and you know keep the keep that levity going. But you know, I mean, tours is you know it's it's work. It's like we're all running around doing our parts. Mikey's off like you know building our rack, fucking. You know, Greg is, is, you know, warming up a lot of the time and, you know, same with Boo Boo, you know, Brandon's drinking shitty beer and trying to <laughs> fuck girls. Like, it's just, we all do our own thing when we're on tour. Like, we, like, you know, I'm usually hanging out, you know, playing video games or reading or just, like, being a social butterfly. But it's like, we all have our roles, our, our like, job titles, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, when we are together, it's usually to, like get together over a meal, you know, talk about the show, talk about the band, you know, break each other's balls. It's just kind of, just kind of in our, in our nature. I I will, I will add though. It's always a blast. Like I love hanging out with a band. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We all get along very well. We all, you know, there's no like awkward tension between any of the band members. It's all pretty much just us bunch of dudes hanging out being dudes now living our best life live, yeah in the band. definitely Are, is there like a group tv <laughs> show you guys share together or a group like like movies you're like we're gonna watch this together no that doesn't happen nah not uh, really does, does park even own a television no i don't think he does or wait, wait no he does he just like it is a coffee table though he just puts shit on top of it he's he's one of those people that's like turn off your tv go live your life and in, in the wild be a be an outdoorsman yeah. And I'm just like the total opposite. Like, come watch me on Twitch and I'll talk to you about anime. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think Park would be right at home if you just put him in a loincloth, gave him a spear and chucked him into the middle yeah. of nowhere. 
he yeah. would he would thrive under those circumstances. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, that's that. I would I would be dead. maybe by choice i don't know that's one of those things there's too much in life that i like that is out i guess indoors now Ooh, Uh, i don't like i don't like saying that out loud but it's true (laughs) it is it is true i mean yeah i'm down to like go camping for a weekend like way out in the cuts and like rough it for a couple days but you know then i'm gonna come home and play video games and yeah, enjoy dude. my Netflix Hulu subscriptions. Like, <laughs> so you brought up Netflix. Netflix is nothing but mediocre to me. Is there anything good on Netflix, dude? I, I invest uh, a lot dude, of time in there, but it's all mediocre to me. I just watched this series called a uh, Perfume not so long ago. Mm-hmm. It was super good. Okay, uh, I'll write that down. Haunting of Hill House was all right. Uh, someone recommended to me this thing called Dark. These are all like kind of spooky shows, by yeah, the way. I'm all about that. It's kind of like the only reason I use Netflix. <clears throat> but then my wife got Shutter, right? She got this Shutter subscription, mm-hmm. which is just like just the best cuts of like horror movies. So now I'm kind of like, well, should I, you know, even even do this this Netflix thing? Oh, you know what? I really like Narcos. Narcos is super sick. I just watched Velvet Buzzsaw, and then someone made me watch Bird Box, and I'm just like, everything I watch on this thing is like mediocre. To I, I couldn't get through Bird Box. That yeah, never I couldn't off I so couldn't do Bird Box either. Yeah. I didn't like it. And then the TV so, shows, that's the hardest for me because of time. Like, because I'm like, can I invest? Dude, I'm, I'm going to bitch about a TV show. And I mean, I don't know if you guys watched True Detective season three. Did you guys see this show? Oh, yeah. Dude, I totally did. You didn't like it? The finale killed it for me, bro. It was like Dexter. Uh, I was like, oh, what happened? It went from like it went from like these amazing performances to all this great stuff and let's just do a Twin Peaks episode, a Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks episode at the end. And I'm like, dude, but and it and, and it was just so lackluster. It broke my heart, man. Cuz I I've been very anti HBO since they took boxing off, so I'm a little biased. I'm like, I'm tired of you guys. You guys threw boxing away, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> But did you did you Greg see uh, True Detective by chance? No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I kind of, uh, I invest a lot of my time in like old shows. So I've been watching all the Star Treks because, you know, I'm a nerd. And, uh, I mean, lots of documentaries about serial killers and, uh, <laughs> the Third Reich because those guys were fucking psychos. I didn't know that, uh, like, all the Blitz guys were, like, all hopped up on meth. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, no wonder they didn't have to, you know, sleep to attack other countries. They're all yeah. fucking, you know, that's, that's that's why they failed. They got, they're like, the meth started to, like, wear off at the end of the Third Reich, and that's why they all got insane. And <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I, you know, Berserker Vikings, Berserker Vikings used to do a similar thing where they would, uh, they would eat, like, psychedelic mushrooms on on their boats in the middle of the night like on the way to go like raid a village but i don't mean like they would like you know slam an eighth and like trip out like at a college party they would eat like pounds and pounds of psilocybin mushrooms and just like be fucking frying when they would go like rape and murder and pillage and shit is like so it beyond fascinating to me that <laughs> yeah. a human being could operate and do such horrific things under that kind of mm-hmm. mental state. It is just completely insane. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, it's just always fascinating to like the really shitty people in, in the, the history, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, serial killers. Oh, they killed all these people. Well, that's fascinating. Cause I have nothing in common with them or, you know, <laughs> Dude, I, I think that true yeah. crime is is gonna live on. I think people will know more about Jeffrey Dahmer than Marlon Brando fifteen years from now. I mean, you know, like his work oh, yeah. and stuff like that. It's just you're right. True crime that nothing's scarier than real. So it's always gonna yeah. connect a little bit. Yeah. But I, I actually, I because I'm such a I'm a huge John Walsh fan. My whole life, me and my dad will watch America's Most Wanted, and he's got a new show called In Pursuit. And the way he always did things was he always had the victims. You get to know them through their family members. And then it's just like, you, you hate the, the villain. You hate him so much and you want to catch him. And then when he gets caught, you're like, wow, like, yes, we got him. Like it was a, it was like the storytelling process. And I think yeah, that, right. that, I think that it's lost now on the, the modern day stuff where it's like, it's almost like the villains just win and there's no resolve. Cause we're just telling like the brutal stuff they did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I actually just I just found this show that I've been watching just to fall asleep. It's like cold cases. Mm. And I woke up to John Walsh like interviewing 
the the team that was like solving like thirty year old murders and shit. It was really weird, dude. He's 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 that like was this morning. Yeah, that yeah. that guy's amazing. So, and then uh, well, just real quick, Riley. So, True Detective season three, you liked the ending, though, right? I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. You know, I think I was willing to give uh, season three a lot of slack because of how totally lame season two was. Oh, dude, season uh, two was horrible. Yeah, no, season two was so bad, and season one was like groundbreaking it was like such a good it was like holy shit where did the show come from so amazing like all-star cast like amazing storyline like cool little supernatural twist at the end like you know it was just like it was so cool and then two came out and i was like what the fuck like the end is just vince vaughn like wandering through the desert having flashbacks of his abusive dad before he like dies like it's just like you know it i don't know it just had no substance to me and then three started off and i was like oh dude this is amazing like yeah. it has that those, those same like deep south kind of vibes as the first season and like you know it, it has that like underlying darkness that like you can't really put your finger on and then it has that like cult voodoo kind of shit going on at the same time and i was like oh this is so cool and then like the double twist at the end i really liked that sorry if you're mm. listening to this podcast <laughs> and i haven't watched it i'll try to like avoid as many spoilers as i can for season three since i just told you how season two ends but um, season two is like uh, is like if uh quentin tarantino followed up pulp fiction with smoking aces so don't you can ruin season two for them it's it's totally fine yeah yeah, yeah. season two season not good but yeah. you know but it's it's like i said the double twist at the end of three where it's like you know because because of the way they set it up and because of what you already know about one you think it's going to have that same like supernatural like carcosa yellow king kind of vibe to it but then you just find out that it's just like this like sad situation and like with the case with like this chick went like totally like manic and insane and like kidnapped someone to like replace her daughter and it was like it, it was just so good like it was just like it was so much more human you know what i mean and then as frustrating as like him like rediscovering her and then like losing his memory like as he's about to talk to her about the whole situation like as frustrating as that was it was also like remarkably human it's just like you, you wonder the whole time like when his alzheimer's is gonna like boil over and then like and i feel that that's even more punctuated when he's like getting the ride home from his daughter and he's like you know like did i did i lose you and she's just like no dad but like i miss you right now you know what i mean like it's just like it has that like like just remarkably human element to it and that's what I love so much about the ending of that series. Okay, I, I accept. I accept. I uh, <laughs> I do. I felt like I, I felt like a lot of those things were were for me from the writing aspect because the actors were so powerful throughout. I think a lot of that was more sold, and that the writing to make it, I guess, just end. I felt like they just did what was safer, but. I'll t- I will give the first seven episodes of that series just an absolute like five star, dude. I loved it. And then, yeah, just, oh, it was so good. Yeah, it was good. So, with that, guys, that we got off on the TV land and all that <laughs> stuff, I did that. That was me. I let us down that <laughs> Serial killers and true crime over here for Greg. True detective, that's fake over here for Riley and me. <laughs> right? so, but all, all together, it's actually the same, you know? So, that's, that's kind of cool. So, but I want everybody out there, guys. Apotosis, new record by a legion. This thing's amazing. It's coming out April 19th. I'm sure you guys will be touring like crazy. And I hope to God I said it correctly because I used that correct selling tone. Did I say it right? You did. Perfect. (laughs) Guys, make sure you pick it up. (laughs) April 19th. The vinyl's going to have some extra tracks, guys. Pre-order it. If if you know anything about a legion, everything's going to be awesome every record they've ever put out has been such a fan favorite for me and the world so guys i'm so happy to do the party line with greg and riley thank you guys so much for calling into the metal sucks podcast yeah thank you man thanks for having us man
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
are back. Dude, those guys are as cool as they come. I like there's just guests I want to talk to like every other week. <laughs> that's definitely Greg and Riley from Allegion. And it's not an easy do- thing to do to interview two people over the phone. No, no, no. We we were Skype. There's rules. Okay. I don't do over the phone. We don't three-way. That's too hard. But Skype, it's beautiful. It's right. beautiful with the two oh, people. Technology. It, it, it worked great. Bringing guys. people together. Let me tell you about the songs that just melted your fucking face off their new record. First one you heard is Stellar, titled Disruption. Make sure you guys check out that video. Fantastic track. Second song, Extremophiles B. Apoptosis is coming out April 19th. Make sure you pre-order it, guys. Just one of my favorite bands and have been for the last, I don't know, 10 years. I, I love this band. So make sure you support them, guys, if you haven't. Also, want to thank you all so much for these five-star reviews we keep seeing. We just ask for those five-star reviews. It's a quick click on the iTunes. Makes us so happy. Also, make sure if you guys want to support our other podcast, Rise to Offend, you check that out as well on iTunes. This week, we're going to be tackling the film Kids. Ugh. Yeah. Dude, almost, if there's anybody in our Almost as fun as Gigi Allen. It's going to be a rough one Ugh. for us. But guys, Ugh. I went down. The history of this movie, you're going to love it. So make sure you check that out. But if you want something funny, Sasha Baron Cohen was last week, and that one was fucking riot so with that we'll see you guys next week the metal sucks podcast is signing off this is the jabberjaw podcast network